Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. All right, we're in this series called Holiness, and uh, today's sermon message is on holiness lived. We're doing this with all of our uh, Every Nation churches around the world. We're all going through the same series together. And so today, uh, the topic holiness lived, we've been talking about holiness for the past four weeks, what it is, how God is holy, how holiness is, is the, the word, set, it means set apart. But the, the setting apart is, the focus is not what we're set apart from, but more what we're set apart for. What are we set apart to? And, and one of the, the big pictures that we use is the, the picture of, of relationships. That uh, holiness being set apart is kind of like marriage. You set your life apart. You give yourself, like the words say, you give yourself only unto her as long as you both shall live. And so you set yourself apart. But the focus is not who you're setting yourself apart from. You're not talking about, you know, for, for me, all the girls I've loved before. And so now, you know, can we think about them and think about what I'm giving up and remind my wife every day of what I'm giving up for her. That's not going to make for a healthy marriage but when I set myself apart for her and my focus is on her that relationship grows and it's the same we set ourselves apart for a relationship with God it's not a focus on what we're setting up ourselves apart from but what is we're setting ourselves apart to and so now we're, we're going today we're going to look at how does this how do we live this out how do we apply it to our lives uh, and so here's a quick overview we're going to look at the benefits of holiness when, when you live a life of holiness, what are the benefits according to the scripture? Because uh, that's our main guide for everything that we do is the scripture. So what does the scripture say are the benefits of holiness? And, and then we're going to look at the, what the Bible lists as some, some kinds of fake holiness that we often substitute for true holiness. And then we're going to look at finally at what is, what is true holiness. And we're going to be looking at uh, in the book of Colossians. So if you want to pull out your own Bible, you can do that. Otherwise, everything will be here on the, um, on the, the overhead. Not the overhead, the PowerPoint. You can tell what generation I grew up in. The overhead. Get, get out the acetates on the overhead. Because some of you don't even know what that was. It was gone before you were even born. Who here remembers overheads? Anybody? Okay. Oh, good. Praise God. We have a mature team, a mature church. Um, all right. The benefits of holiness. Uh, Starting in Colossians chapter 1, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, this is Paul, he's writing from prison, and he's writing to the church of Colossae. Now, the church of Colossians in, in Colossae, the city of Colossae, is not a church that he had been to, but it's guys that he had helped lead to the Lord in Ephesus, that he led to the Lord, and then they went back home to their hometown of Colossae, Epaphras, I forget the other guy's name, but, and then they started the church there. Uh, and so this is like a second generation church. But Paul says, since the day I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And so here's the first set of benefits. They're asking God to, number one, uh, fill them with the knowledge of God's will. One of, the, one of the questions I often get as a pastor is, how do I know God's will? And pastor, I, I don't know, what should I do here? But here what, what, what Paul says is, I'm praying for you that you would be full, filled up with the knowledge of God's will in your life. 
That's one of the benefits of walking in holiness and understanding uh, that the, only the Spirit gives. So as we walk in the Spirit, we start to get understanding. And so our prayer for you is that as a church, that we would be a Spirit-led, Spirit-guided church. All of us have the Spirit in our lives. The Bible says that when we receive Christ, what makes us Christians is actually that the Spirit of God, God's Spirit comes to live inside of us. And so if you're a Christian here, then you have the Spirit of God inside of you. In fact, the book of Romans says if you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you, then you're actually not a Christian, regardless of what label you give yourself. As Romans chapter 8 just says, if you don't have the Spirit of righteousness, the Spirit of God inside of you, then you're not really a part of God's family. You're not a member of his, his household. And so you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And you may have never spent, you know, paid much attention to the Spirit of God. We never listened to him, never been led to him. But, but God wants to, through the Spirit, give you understanding and give you knowledge so you know God's will for your life. You see, we're, we're not supposed to, to just go to the, the, the guru, the fortune teller who, who tells you what God's will is. We're supposed to each individually hear from God. Okay, so that's one of the benefits of, of holiness. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So living a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him. You want to live a life pleasing to God. That's what holiness does in you as you have this relationship with God. Bearing fruit in every good work. I don't know about you, but I hate doing work and having no fruit. I hate doing stuff and then no results come of it. I don't like, you know, uh, our family, uh, we, we, we started a bunch of little businesses when I was growing up. And, uh, and it's always a bummer when you start a business and it makes no money. It's like, what a waste of time, right? We want fruit out of our work. And the Bible says if you walk in holiness, you'll bear fruit in every good work. And you'll grow in your knowledge of God. You'll continue to get to know God better. And so this is one of these, these great little, uh, what we would call self-energizing uh, uh, self cycles. Is that as you get holy and get to know God better, um, then you bear more fruit in your life. And, and that fruit in your life helps you then to grow more in your knowledge of God. And so he just continues to grow in that knowledge. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And so what, it, what the other benefit of walking in holiness is that we live lives of joyful gratitude. And I'm talking to you, but, but I'd rather be joyful than sad. And the Bible says that's a fruit of holy living. Okay? Colossians chapter 1. So these are some of the benefits. We know God's will. We please God. We're fruitful in our lives. We know, we, we know God's will, but all, we also get to know God. We experience power in our lives, endurance and patience, and joyful thanksgiving. These are all benefits that we get from living in holiness. Okay. So if you're not experiencing these benefits in your life, or you want more of them, then, then you need to take to heart these, these sermons that we're preaching on how to grab a hold of holiness, and especially today, how to live in holiness, because this is the fruit of holiness in our lives, all right? And that all comes from Colossians chapter 1. Then we jump on to what does fake holiness look like? We're going to jump on to Colossians chapter 2. One of the first fake holinesses is humanism. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies 
and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. We find our holiness in God, right? That was our first sermon in this series. We become holy because God is holy. And it's only the touch of God's hand on our lives that makes us holy. In other words, we can't make ourselves holy. The Bible says this, there's nobody righteous, not even one. And the Bible also says only God is holy. But it also commands us and tells us that we can be holy because God is holy. And when Jesus walked this earth, he demonstrated what this looked like. He would walk up to people, situations, circumstances that would normally make a person unholy. So for instance, you couldn't touch someone with leprosy. If you touch someone with a disease of leprosy, that illness, it would make you unclean, unholy. You would not be allowed into the temple. You would not be allowed to give sacrifices. And if you then touch other people, you would make them unholy. But Jesus would go to the lepers and he would touch them. He would lay his hands on them. And rather than him becoming unclean, they would become healed and holy. He would go to a dead person. And there was a strict regulation that if you're going to go to the temple or if you're going to go to offer sacrifices, you couldn't touch a dead person because it would make you unholy, impure, unworthy of being in God's presence or in the presence of God's people. You couldn't come into the temple. In, in, in those days, if you had touched a, a, a dead body, you wouldn't be allowed in church. Now, we allow you in church. Why? Because Jesus makes us holy. And when Jesus would go and touch dead bodies, rather than him becoming unholy, they would come alive. And so it's the same now today. Because Jesus has come into our lives and the Holy Spirit has come into our lives, we're made holy. Not by anything, not by any works of righteousness we've done, but by our relationship with the Holy God. Okay? And so here it says, rather than from Christ, we, we seek in, in our, our own human thinking, our own human philosophy. We think that somehow that's going to bring us power and joy and all the things that actually holiness is supposed to provide, our relationship with God. And we substitute these things. And so that's why we call each of these different things actually idols. These fake holiness is, are really idols in our lives that we replace God with. So instead of pursuing relationship with God, we pursue just human philosophies and wisdoms, making our own way or uh, and, and so we use the logic of this world to try to find God, godliness and holiness. But it's only through Christ. Okay? So humanism. Stinking thinking, as they say. It's amazing how in, in contemporary culture, you have all these, you know, these reasonings and, and people come up with these great, serious-sounding arguments. But when you just step back and look at it, you think, actually, that's really stupid. Actually, those two things actually don't make any sense. But we, let, we, we have these empty philosophies that, and high-sounding nonsense that leads to nothing. The other one is dead religion. Colossians chapter 2, verses 8, 16 and 17. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. And he's referring here primarily to the Jewish religion because that was the, 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 the dominant religion that would pull people away from God. And, and they were very, very strict on what you could eat, what you could drink. You had to celebrate certain days. We talked about the Feast of Passover, Day of Atonement, these different Sabbaths and ceremonies that they would do in, in the Jewish religion. 
And he's saying, don't let anyone condemn you for not keeping up with all the religious practices because dead religion is one of the main substitutes for relationship with God. I, I love that the picture of, that God gave us from the very start in the Garden of Eden. He said, this, this, here's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can either try to find that through humanism your own human philosophies, your own human logic, or you can find it through religion, your own religious practices. But in the end, we're supposed to find it where Adam and Eve found it. Taking a walk every day with God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When Jesus walked the earth, he said, I, I say what I hear the Father saying. I do what I see the Father doing. And so we, we need to come back. We, we, it's so easy to substitute dead religion for relationship with God. But you can always recognize when that's starting to get into your spirit because you start to get fearful and you start to get harsh and you start to get judgmental. And someone in my position as a pastor who, you know, I've got to study the word. I want to get deep theology. It's so easy. I find myself so easily slipping into that, like, oh, that church, and this preacher, that guy, and his belief. And, 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 and when, I, when I start, that's just dead religion. And it's human logic you can get into. And it gets, it, it gets you just, it starts to build pride inside of us and div causes division rather than unity. For these roles uh, are only shadows of the reality to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So many things that we could substitute for Christ, for our relationship with him. Mysticism. It's another one. So mysticism, that's just the, you know, we want to have secret knowledge and, 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 and spiritual experiences. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, okay? And so what is, when you start getting into it, you don't have this special knowledge. And I studied this deep, these deep things, of, uh, you know, about God. Uh, when, when people start saying that, you, you can usually just start to feel the pride coming on and the sense of I'm, I know more than you and I'm better than you. Uh, he says, don't let anyone let you start feeling condemned by saying they have some kind of, you know, amazing experience that's better than knowing Jesus and it substitutes for knowing Jesus there's no substitute for knowing Jesus I don't care how many great miracles you've seen in fact Jesus says there's going to come a time there are going to be people at the end of time who are going to come and say haven't we done amazing things in your name he says uh yeah but actually I, I don't know you we don't have a relationship you can do all kinds of mystical, supernatural type things. And, uh, you know, I grew up in, in, in the, back in the 60s and 70s. People were always talking about, you know, the, they would go do all the numerical studies of figuring out where Jesus is going to come and do all these studies of prophecy of which nations are going to do what in the future and, and bring a, the world to an end. And they, they, everybody had their, their specific, you know, interpretations. And, and mine was right and yours was wrong. And because mine's more right than yours, I'm more right than you. And I'm more holy than you are. Um, and in the end, Jesus says, it's really, if you know me, all the other things will fall into place. Your pursuit needs to be of me. 
So not mysticism. Self-denial. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. And some of us just think, you know, oh man, look at how I'm fasting and look at how I'm denying myself. Uh, and, and, and there's a place for all of these things. There's a, a, there's a place for the supernatural and the mystical. There's a place for self-denial. There's a place for using our brains, right? So, and there's a place for religious practice. Read your Bible and pray every day, you know, come to church. But all of these things are to lead us to Jesus, not to replace Jesus. And when, we, when it starts to replace Jesus, then we miss the whole point. And then we get off into, you know, this beating myself. Every time I sin, I'm just going to beat myself on my back. So maybe if I beat myself enough, God won't punish me. And I used to do that sometimes when I knew I was going to get a spanking from my mom. You know, it's, uh, you, you know, you messed up, you're going to get a spanking. And so, oh, you know, but mom, I got a tummy ache. And look, I tripped and fell and hit my head. So don't spank me so hard. And I think because I'm hurting myself, my mama won't spank me, you know. And we do that sometimes with God. We just think if we beat ourselves enough that he won't have to punish us. Or if we beat ourselves enough, somehow we'll be more holy. And then some people do that thing because they think you know, their bodies will be more holy. We have, in New York, we had a, a bunch of Russian friends and a Russian congregation. And, uh, and the pastor there, he, he built his own, I think they call it a banya, in his backyard. It's like a, 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 a little hothouse. And they have these, these switches, I forget the name of it, but made out of a certain kind of branches. And you, you hit your back when you're in the hothouse and it's supposed to help you, you know, your health in some way. I'm not sure how turning your, your back red from whacking yourself makes you better, but maybe it makes you tougher, you know. But we do that to ourselves, and somehow we think it makes us better, self-denial. And we replace that for actually coming to Jesus and letting him make us better. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. And that's why you see on and on again, uh, over and over again, as you're trying to help people get out of uh, addictions, whether it's substance abuse or sexual addictions, and, and they'll try everything, but they keep cycling in and out and in and out because it's meant to be the power of God that leads us and then gives us the strength to then discipline ourselves. It's not that we don't need discipline and don't need self-denial, and the Bible calls us to that, but it comes out of relationship. Not to just improve ourselves or not to try to gain relationship. It comes out of love for God and pursuit of God. That's why we do these things. And so for me, you know, I might be hungry. But if I know my wife is coming home, then I'm, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to wait till she comes home. Because I'd much rather share the meal with her than eat on my own. And so I'm not fasting in order to win her, her, her favor. I'm fasting because I'm looking forward to having dinner with her. And that's how it is with God. We, 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 we start to pursue him. We're so enamored with him. We so much want to spend time with him that we do self-denial and we do self-discipline so that we can have more of him in our lives because he's what we desire. Sensuality. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. 
have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. All of these things, as we lust after stuff and just want to fill our own desires, the Bible says these are actually idols that we put in the place of it. God's meant to satisfy us. And it's not that we don't have sex or we don't have food and money and these things, but it's that we get them out of relationship with God and they're subservient to that relationship rather than in place of. And so sex is beautiful in marriage, but it's not meant to be outside of marriage. And so all of these things become idols when we put them above God and in place of God because our relationship with God is the only thing that makes us holy. And it is the definition of holiness. So all of these are idols and fake holiness. Humanism, dead religion, mysticism, self-denial, sensuality. Anything that you replace relationship with God, you put in the place of relationship with God, is fake holiness. Because the only place that holiness comes is out of that relationship with God. It's just an, just an idol. In fact, the, 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 the people who actually put Jesus to death were the people who knew theology and scripture the best. Why? Because they, Jesus said this, you, you study the scriptures because in them you think you're going to have life. You're going to find the source of holiness and life in God. But the scriptures actually just talk about me because I'm the source of life. And if you don't find me in the scriptures, then they just become the substitute a fake holiness. And so we encourage you when you come to church, don't come to church to, so that you can think, okay, I'm holy because I made it to church. Come to church to say, God, I, I, I want to meet you today. I don't want to just impress the other believers. I don't want to just impress Pastor Bruce. I'm easily impressed. You come here on Sunday, I'm impressed. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's a no-brainer. What you really want to come for is to say, God, I want to meet you. And so I encourage you every Sunday before you come to church, just say, God, today in church, would you speak to me? I want to encounter you. I want to become, I want to be with you and I want to become more like you. And that may sound like a, like, you might, that might be foreign to some of you. Like, I've never encountered God before. I, I don't know what that looks like. I, never, I don't know if I've ever heard God's voice. But I'll tell you this, if you begin to ask for it and look for it, you're much more likely to find it. And it's something that God promises us. His, his promise is that we will hear his voice as his sheep. And that he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's always here with us. His Holy Spirit, the Bible says, he gives so that we have that with us all the time. But it's just becoming aware. And the more that we pray for that and focus and look for it, the more you're going to start experiencing it. And every time that you open up the word, Look for Jesus. Say, Jesus, where are you in the scriptures? What do you want to say to me out of the scriptures? And we encourage you to read the scriptures. And, and if you really encounter Jesus, you're going to love the scripture even more. And if you don't have a love for the scripture, then there's some question as to how in love with God you are and what kind of a relationship you have with God. Because I know my wife, you know, well, I love her. I like getting text messages from her even though sometimes I miss them. But when I miss them, 
you know, then we get upset with each other. Like, don't you, did, my wife never hears my phone calls, you know. She never reads my text messages. And that's, it may be one out of five that she missed. But I just, it, that stands out to me because I'm so, I so much want to, want her to, to hear what I'm saying. And I want to read what she's saying. Why? Because I, I love her, right? And so when we love God, we're looking forward to hearing from him. True holiness. Once you are alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So we all started there. We're all started as alienated from God. This is how we're born into the world with a, a, a division, an alienation. We're not born to listen to God and follow him. We tend to go our own way. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So by Christ's physical death on the cross, we escape death and become holy through him. And his desire is to present us blameless and holy to himself. That's actually a reference back to Ephesians chapter 5, which talks about Jesus loving the church that, and, and working on the church so that he can present it to himself as a bride without blemish. And so in this language, this is actually the language of relationship. It's not the language of performance. And so often I grew up with, this, with that sense that holiness was all about performance. I mean, I, I, was, I didn't like that, we were, that holiness was the topic for our, our sermon series starting this year. I sort of thought that, I said, well, what, what's that? I, I was talking with um, uh, the, one of my mentors in, in Hawaii, leader of our church, and we're talking about that, and, and like, well, what? why are we doing that? You know, why are we chose this topic? You know, and so we're just, um, you know, it's because holiness actually is about relationship with God. But with the holiness I grew up with was don't dance, you know, bring all your, yeah, we didn't even have CDs back in that. There's LPs and cassette tapes. If it's not a Christian one, you bring it, we're going to burn it, you know. The, you know, don't, the, I mean, my church was, we were way kind of off. I don't know if you've ever been in a church that was a, a bit off. This one, we were a bit off, and we were like, uh, well, we get rid of Halloween because there's all this demonic stuff and devils and things and ghosts. But then we started thinking about Easter and Christmas, and we want to get rid of those too. And I, I was horrified <laughs> as a kid. I'm like, I don't want holiness. I'm done with that. And, you know, and luckily, their uh, saner minds prevailed, praise God. But you know, God wants us, when he talks about holy and blameless, he's talking about the, the language of marriage, of relationship, of coming together. And it's such a celebration when we do that. And so I, I want to encourage you, that's what, what God has for us. And if, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. So there's that moment where, where Christ comes into your life, and from death he brings life by his death. And the death that we should have died, he dies in our place. And the life that, that, only, that only he can live, he now gives to us we become holy. But it says, you have to continue in that faith. Established and firm, there's, there's an ongoing walk that comes out of it, just like, like in, in, a, in a relationship. There's a wedding day, but then there's a marriage that follows. 
there's the, the DTR day where you say, okay, you know, let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. But then we don't go back to just living the same way we lived before we became boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't start just, I'm not just hanging out and taking other girls out. When, when I say, okay, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, then it's like it becomes exclusive. There's a change in lifestyle. And the same with Christ. You don't just come to Christ and, okay, Jesus, I want you to take away my sins and get me in heaven. And then I just go back to living the same old way out of relationship with God. It's meant to be an ongoing walk with the Lord. Of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This gospel that Jesus has. We go from alienated to reconciled and then stable and steadfast in that walk with God. Continue on. And here's the reason why. Because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All of creation is for Christ. And if you and I, since we're created, we were created for him. We were created through him. We owe our lives to him, our existence to him. And we should exist for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the one that holds the universe together. He's the one that holds creation together. And he would love to hold our lives together if we'll let him. Now, out of all creation, God gave us the ability to choose whether or not we want to be related to God and have relationship with him. That's what makes love special. It's always a choosing. And so you and I have the ability, but also the responsibility to choose God every day because that's what holiness is. Holiness is choosing relationship with God every day. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That means above all else. I love that, um, that series of movies. One of my favorite series of movies is Jason Bourne movies. You know, the, the born identity, then, and we have identity in Christ. And then it's the born uh, supremacy. You know, he's supreme while he kills, he kills and conquers all of his enemies, anyone who's against him. You know, but Jesus is actually the one who is supreme. And Jesus is the one who has conquered and defeated all his enemies. And Jesus is the one from whom we get our identity because in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It's all about Jesus. Living holy is all about pursuing him. There's a simplicity to it. Living holy is not a whole bunch of rules to keep. It really is one person to pursue. And that's Jesus. So as we close today, we just want to have an opportunity to, to reaffirm that relationship with Jesus. And we're going to take communion together. Because it was through Jesus' broken body on the cross, His blood shed for us, that you and I enter into and maintain that relationship with God. And so this is a great time to recommit ourselves to that to pursuit of that relationship through the word, through prayer, through fellowship, 
So would you stand with me? Our prayer is that as we partake of this, Jesus would truly have preeminence in our lives. And so the Bible says that Jesus, on the, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And the truth is, even in following Christ, there'll be difficult times. There'll be moments of brokenness. But God's promise through the broken body of Jesus is that he will always restore us and make us whole. And that's true individually. It's true of us as a church. God has called us together for a purpose. To be spreaders of the good news that Jesus came, gave his life for us so that we could escape death and find life. So Father, as we partake of the bread today, your broken body, We ask, Lord God, that you would bring healing to us through your broken body. We recognize that the wounds on your body were for our healing, that you were pierced for our transgressions, you were wounded for our iniquities, and that all our sins were put upon you, so that through your broken body, we're made whole. God, I pray for wholeness for those who are suffering brokenness in their emotions, brokenness in relationships, brokenness in their physical bodies. God, we're praying that you, the God of all healing, would in this moment, as we partake of this bread, bring healing to our lives. You think of how when you walked the earth 2,000 years ago, multitudes would come and you would just minister healing. You healed all who came. And so today we come, Lord God, with expectation once again that you will walk amongst us, touching us, and healing all who are broken. So bless the body broken for us in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Scripture goes on to say that Jesus, in the same way he took the cup, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Jesus promises that when we confess our sins, he will be faithful and just and forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that not only that, but through his covenant is also that he'll give us a new heart. Because our hearts just tend towards sin. Our hearts tend towards selfishness. Our hearts tends toward hurt and hurting. But God promises to give us a new heart. That's his promise. One that would follow him, love him, live like him. And that's the promise of the blood of Jesus. And today, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, he, he's waiting. He wants to enter your life. He wants to make you holy. It doesn't matter how dead or how broken or how sick or sinful you might be. If you want to get rid of all those other idols and just say, I want to find the true God and invite Christ into my life. And we're just going to take a moment and do that right now. Just bow your heads. Jesus, we come to you and we confess our sins and our sinfulness to you. 
We ask, Lord God, that you would cleanse us by the power of your blood. That you would wash away our unrighteousness. And Lord, just as promised that you would come in and commune with us. Make a residence inside of us, Lord God, because you alone are holy and you are the one who makes us holy. And that through that relationship, we would become your sons and daughters. We would become joint heirs with you. Father, I pray that today, your Holy Spirit, as we invite your Holy Spirit in, that your Holy Spirit would testify with ours as we surrender our lives to you, would testify that we are, you are our, our Father. We are your sons and daughters. Renew us today. Forgive us. Make us new. By the power of the blood of Jesus shed for us. Bless the cup as we drink it. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. as we close today if our prayer for you is that this week you would live in holiness not the holiness of performance and trying to keep all the rules and regulations but the holiness that comes out of relationship that you would experience christ in your life this week the lord bless you thanks for being with us today we'll see you next sunday thank you for listening we pray this message spoke to you and built your faith for more messages like this visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.